Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Heads Talk with me, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders of institutions and heads of multinationals. What are the current topics? They talk, we listen. My guest today needs little introduction. She has spent over 30 years in leadership positions in one of the most well-known corporate organisations and brands. She's an inspiration to a lot of women and girls that would like to develop a career in STEM. We're going to talk a lot about cloud ecosystem, cloud computing, partnerships, purposeful digital transformation, the traits one needs to be in this business, and of course, my guest's future endeavours. But before we do that, here's a message from our sponsors. I am Patricia Allen, Wealth Advisor and Founder of Paris Financial Planning in San Francisco, California. I am delighted to sponsor this episode of Heads Talk, and I hope that you've enjoyed it as much as I have. I have professional women achieve financial freedom and independence with my five-step Life by Your Design blueprint, which is designed to grow, protect, and preserve their assets and income. To find out more how I can help you, visit me at parisfinancialplanning.com and LinkedIn at Patricia Allen CRPC. Heads Talk Podcast with your host Elaine Pringle Schwitter. Axia is a leading private cloud platform in the Atlassian and Matimos ecosystem, combining intelligent solutions with security and control. Axia's clients profit from digitalization and automation of critical business processes in a cloud and hybrid architecture. 150 staff provide migration, engineering, and support services to over 200 leading organizations in 32 countries. Heads Talk podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter. Gabriella Schuster is the Corporate Vice President of Microsoft Commercial Partner Team. She leads a global portfolio of channel partners that has influenced over $1 trillion in ecosystem revenue through Microsoft's fastest growing ecosystem. She has over 30 years of leadership in digital and cloud transformation roles, driving strategy and execution, spanning all aspects of business model and developments such as product sales and partnerships. As a builder, fixer, and change agent, she specializes in building new businesses. Autumn 2020, she was awarded the Athena Global Leadership Award for her advocacy on behalf of women in IT. She's also a founding sponsor of both the Women in Cloud and Women in Technology Network. She sits on a number of boards and is on the board of directors for China Soft International. Currently, Gabriella leads global recruitment, enablement, and engagement of Microsoft's fast-growing partners ecosystem. There's a lot more I could talk about to introduce Gabriella to my listeners, but I'm going to let her continue from where I've left off. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Gabriella to Head Talk. Delighted to have you here today. Thank you, Elaine. I am delighted to be here. I'm really, really glad to have you on the show. Uh, and I, for one, I'm excited to, to have this conversation with you. Um, we've got quite a bit to cover um, through today, and I'd like um, to start with you providing my listeners with a, a summary, however brief or however long you want, to make sure you, you have the salient points, a summary of what you've achieved in your role in Microsoft today. So in your, t- your tenure as um, corporate VP for Microsoft Channel Sales, tell us about, for example, the Microsoft Cloud ecosystem. What have you achieved in this space? 
Yeah, thanks, Elaine. So, you know, when I when I started um, in this organization and uh, as the channel chief five years ago, we didn't have much of a cloud ecosystem to speak of. And over the last five years, we have built that out to have over 90,000 partners, um, partner organizations who are building and selling solutions in the cloud. Mm -hmm. We've also um, done that through our cloud solution provider program. Mm -hmm. which um, was also introduced about that same time that generates about three times the revenue of our traditional licensing programs and um, and is now in double double digits of billions of dollars mm -hmm. um, growing faster um, than 50% year over year. Mm -hmm. um, through that time, um, I've done that by rebuilding our Microsoft partner network so that it's cloud relevant with skilling, go-to-market services, cloud enablement services, and advanced specializations to help our partners to build that business and identify and capture the opportunity in the market. Um, we have over 26,000 partner listings in our mm -hmm. marketplace. And, um, and Microsoft has sold over $18 billion of partner services. So that's not the Microsoft revenue, but that's the partner services that our sellers have sold on behalf of our partners since 2017. Um, and just this fiscal year, um, over so that's just in the first um, six months of the year, we have delivered over 160,000 new customer opportunities to our partners through our sales teams and over 600,000 leads every month to our partners through our marketplace. So those are just a few of the key things that we've been able to do um, over the last few years. Mm -hmm. um, thank you for introducing the Microsoft Partner Network. That, that would have been one of the, the, the next questions, but where does the one commercial partner team fit into all of this? Well, so the difference between the Microsoft Partner Network and the One Commercial Partner Team is that the One Commercial Partner Team is actually the name of our internal organization at Microsoft um, at both our corporate and field level. And mm -hmm. we manage the strategy and the engagement with our partners. The Microsoft Partner Network is actually the foundational platform for how we engage with our partners. So it's it's both a platform and a program. From a program perspective, it's um, where partners can get the skilling um, and enablement that they need, those go-to-market services, mm -hmm. um, and the investments that Microsoft makes across various programs to bring partners in through the market. Mm -hmm. um, and also the um, advisory um, kinds of services that help them to manage the partnership, co-sell, and, um, and capitalize on those investment programs. What, within our uh, one commercial partner teams, um, we have 14 areas around the world, and in each of them, I have a one commercial partner leader who has a full team um, who manages these partners and engages with them and ensures that we are actively co-selling and, um, and driving their business and, and growing together. Mm -hmm. Okay, so but when you talk about the partner network, who's involved in this? You know, for my listeners, the names, the brands, who, who's involved in these partnership networks? Well, so we we service partners um, from the very biggest partners like Accenture, Ernst & Young, um, Capgemini, um, Infosys, to the to you know kind of mid-size organizations like um, Insight Enterprise, um, Software House International, Crayon. Um, and then down to very small, um, you know, partners um, 
mm. that probably your listeners have never heard of. Um, yeah. You know, we, we have partners, the average size of a, of a partner organization is about 150 people. Um, and, um, and like there are about 300,000 of them around the world. Um, super powerful um, when we all work together. Um, and, uh, and we service every single one. Okay. Um, the next couple of questions will look at your um, market leaders, leaders position, Microsoft market leaders position. Let me start with this. Let's continue um, talking about the partnerships that we've just been talking about. Yeah. With the work you've done today, please tell my listeners the key ingredients for um, longevity and success in the partnerships that you've created. You've developed an ecosystem. You've just mentioned it that has big giants, SMEs, startups, et cetera. Um, this must be carefully planned, evaluated and executed. Please talk us through this. What makes a good fit here? Absolutely. You know, the key to a successful partnership is the development of a win-win approach, knowing that when our partners are successful and profitable, Microsoft will be successful and profitable. So we don't come into it from a very selfish point of view. We come into it from a, how do we, um, how do all boats rise with the tide? Um, ensuring that we grow together and that both the work we do puts the needs of our customer first and enables both of our organizations to co-innovate co-develop and co-deliver those solutions to the customer, um, you know, so that it helps the customer mm -hmm. grow in their, um, in their engagement with their own customers. So mm -hmm. what it requires is an approach that scales. And we take a very pilot to scale approach um, so that we have more agility and we can focus on the needs of customers across different industries and different sizes. So we will pick um, you know, a partner within a specific geography. We will pilot um, a level of co-innovation and co-development of an engagement. And then we will take the best practices of that and start to scale that and pilot to scale across a geography and then eventually around the world with all of our partners. So um, what that enables us to do is eventually come out with um, what we call a practice development playbook or an application development playbook that we can deliver to other um, application technology partners or other service delivery partners on best practices to build those practices or build those applications. Right. So, so, so what have you, Microsoft, learned from your partnerships and partners? Well, we, we have learned a lot from, um, from our partners. We, we have learned um, how to put, you know, what it means to put the customer first, what kinds of um, challenges our customers face um, as they adopt technology, what some of the uh, technology adoption accelerators are, and then what some mm -hmm. of the barriers are, and then how we can um, support the partners in developing the services that help them to quickly overcome some of those obstacles and challenges. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for instance, with the uh, Windows Virtual Desktop, um, you know, there are, um, I would say, 80 to 90% of the applications easily can be moved into the Windows Virtual Desktop, but our partners identified for us, you know, that 10 to 20% where there's challenges and um, and then through mm -hmm. the co-development process and co-innovation process we've been able to develop a number of services led by our partners that um, that really enables us to um, also handle the other 20 percent 
of a customer's applications, right? So that kind of thing really accelerates the adoption of the technology. I mean, I have been fascinated um, and just um, overwhelmed with the level of responsiveness that our partners have been able to have during this time of the pandemic. Um, you know, that um, they have been able to, they're really those um, literal digital first responders who have been able to get customers and all of their employees um, into a, that remote work scenario within the matter of days, um, you know, by, by really implementing the technologies and the platforms that we have and, um, and you know, helping them to create higher levels of security so that they, um, you know, many of our customers had only put security firewalls up mm -hmm. around the four walls of their data center, their four mm -hmm. walls of their organization. And our partners have been able to quickly scale um, the security platforms out so that regardless of where the employees are and where the data resides, um, it's still secure. So I, I, we learn a lot from our partners every day about both the best ways to implement the technology as well as the um, as well as the shortcomings and the gaps that we need to go fill. Right, so it's it's a two-way street, which is, is kind of fascinating. And yeah. you, you you touched upon, you talked quite a bit about your, the customer. So let's go the customer journey, customer journey. Let's talk about that. Um, Microsoft has been a leader in customer journey before it even became a familiar and sometimes overused term. How will you continue to be at the, the forefront of this? And what new things or challenges are you seeing that need to be addressed in order to maintain and continue to, to enable that position? Yeah, I mean, it's a great point. I mean, it, putting the needs of our customers first is the, the is truly the way to drive um, overall growth for every business, especially our customers' business. And so we've made substantial investments over the last few years to focus on that customer and partner experience. Um, it's required us to utilize customer insights and to optimize our use of machine learning to really anticipate the needs of our customers. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the challenges that we face um, with the breadth of our portfolio is the overwhelming options we have for customers and the abundance of content that we have around skilling and reference architectures and best practices. So enabling customers to traverse through their decision-making process easily to get at the information they need and the support they need from Microsoft and our partners um, is really how we think about um, simplifying that customer journey. It's a, it's really, honestly, Elaine, a never-ending quest to mm -hmm. innovate on this so that the customers have exactly what they need when they need it, and they know the partners who can help them and the applications that the partners are delivering that can help them um, to meet the needs of their organization. All right. Okay. Thank you for that. Um, we're going to change change of direction, uh, and I'm looking forward to your responses to these questions. Let's talk about Gabriella, the businesswoman. Um, I would describe you as a fixer. I've described you as a fixer in the introduction. Um, if I look at your attributes, the work to date, and just the things that you've done in Microsoft, you're a fixer. You like to work in the role of shifting a business unit or a business line from one state to another. However, this can be uh, the most challenging time for a business. What? What, why does this appeal to you and, and, and provide my listeners with an example of this in action and the results? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. I like to join a business when it's at an inflection point, whether it's at a startup phase or at a moment when the business needs to transform and set out strategies that will really, what I call, 
bend the curve of the growth and accelerate mm -hmm. that business. So um, it is definitely the most challenging state of the business. I just love it. I love doing something that people think is impossible. Um, <laughs> I love this period of transformation because it requires leadership, collaboration, bold action, and working with clarity um, so that everybody understands what is that North Star? What is the purpose and the outcome that you're driving for? And, and what I love most is that it's a moment of learning for the business and the leadership. And as an experienced collector, when I engage in a business at these moments, it really pushes me to bring together the core elements of vision and to create followership towards that vision, to drive collaboration and clarity. And I think the most gratifying thing that I found through that process is that when, um, when I can start with a, you know, a, a germ of an idea and then a bold vision about what's possible, all of the power of people who engage through that, unlocking their imaginations, um, oftentimes that vision becomes so much more powerful than even I thought was possible. And, um, and that's something super fun to be part of um, and to know that when you get um, when you get there, you can look back and say, we did this together. And, um, and that's super gratifying. So that's, I think that's why I, I love being part of that journey. So it's, it's, it's a bit more than a challenge. You, you sound quite sort of passionate about it. So let's talk about something else that you're quite passionate um, about. And it's your thoughts on women in STEM. This is something you are very, very passionate about. And you talk about it in various um, speaking engagements. Your position at Microsoft has been one of the ones that you know women point to and say, girls, you can do this. So how difficult a decision was it to step down, especially at a time when there is a, a big, big drive to have more and more women and girls in education to choose STEM. Note, we will talk in greater detail about what you will be doing in the next steps, in the next sets of questions. But for now, STEM and women, what are your thoughts? Well, you know, it. I wouldn't necessarily say that I was stepping down. I think I'm stepping up into something that I'm really passionate about. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this, um, this role in leading our ecosystem has given me an opportunity to see the world with a different lens. And, um, and Satya said something super wise when he became the CEO about five years ago, he said, sometimes, you know, oftentimes um, the role you have serves the company. And sometimes you're lucky enough to get into a role where, um, where it can, you know, the company can serve you. And I, and I looked at the state of diversity and inclusion within our, um, within high tech and by definition then by, within our partner ecosystem. And I thought we need to change that. And I am in a position to be able to change that um, and influence that because 300,000 organizations around the world are looking to me um, for guidance on how they build that business. So um, I've had the opportunity over the last five years to build out organizations like the Women in Cloud and the Women in Technology Network, the, um, the diversity and inclusion chapters of the International Association of Microsoft Channel Partners, mm -hmm and to influence their focus on diversity and inclusion. And, and, and I feel like after five years of doing that as part of my job, I would like to spend time doing that as my job. And so I'm, I'm moving on to get even more focused on getting more women into STEM. 
and, um, and really focusing on how do we build out very tactical guidance for organizations in making that move and helping individuals understand their role as an ally to make a difference and disrupt the status quo. Um, really what I found is the way we're going to make a difference is to get the men engaged in this journey um, to help them feel the critical nature and the value of making that change. And, um, and it's why I decided to go do my, deliver my TED talk and created the, um, the framework that is a very actionable framework of become to help men understand tactically how to become an ally and, and, and disrupt the status quo. Okay, so you're right. It's not stepping down. You're actually stepping into your passion and, and getting on with that. So it's a case of watch this space. You're going to talk more about that later, but now let's look to the future with these next um, set of questions. First, let's talk about the, the sustainability agenda and, and what Microsoft is doing in this space. What is, for my listeners, what is the hashtag build for 2030 initiative? What is the work that's been done here and how are you involved? Well, so making an impact starts with bringing solutions to market. And um, we were inspired by the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. So the Build for 2030 campaign helps partners who are making a difference amplify their solutions in the commercial marketplace, in the Microsoft commercial marketplace, with added go-to-market benefits. We're working with these partners to build those solutions to co-innovate, co-develop, um, and create stronger environmental sustainable energy, um, farming things like B-Grid, future-proof smart building solutions, to create more accessible solutions, um, and um, really drive operational efficiency and more responsible responsible um, technology, like uh, manufacturing and value chain practices like Aviva has with unified operations that give smart cities, infrastructure and businesses the insight they need to create sustainability, optimizing their energy use and, um, and creating a more efficient organization or enabling awareness of environmental impact through data, like Ecolab 3D has done where they developed a cloud-based next generation digital platform, right? So it's it's those kinds of things that we've done to co-innovate and co-develop with partners on behalf of those UN sustainable development goals and really amplify those solutions out into the market. Okay, um, thanks for that. Um, continuing um, uh, with the moving forward theme of these sets of questions, you have stepped away, not stepped down, you've stepped away from your current position. There is a, a transition period. Um, Rodney Clark, um, a veteran in Microsoft, has been named as your successor. Mm -hmm. um, you've briefly told us about the drivers of this move, and you sort of gave us a, a sneak peek of a, a summary of the next steps. But please, in, in greater detail, what, what are the sequence of steps? What will you do next? And um, when will you fully leave your current role in, in Microsoft? Well, so, you know, there, there are um, a few drivers, right? Through, throughout my career, I've been an experienced collector, which means that I like to push myself to do something new and something bigger. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I have seen this as an area where I can make a much bigger um, influence in, in the market and, in, in, um, and on behalf of um, the whole technology sector. So, um, you know, I, I um, the, 
it, you know, it's, and it's not just about gender equity. Um, over the last year in the US, um, really seeing the need for us to drive for um, more equity with, um, with the Black and African American community. And so we started something called the Black Channel Partner Initiative at Microsoft to increase the um, number of um, new tech founders who, um, who are um, Black and African American and bring them into technology services. Um, and bring them into building applications. So, you know, Microsoft has really given me the opportunity and the freedom to chart the course for this, um, for this next step. And I'm incredibly grateful and plan to focus much more energy on driving for inclusion in the workforce, shaping that next generation of technology leaders. And, um, and I plan to have continued engagement with the partners that mm -hmm. I built mm -hmm. these relationships with over the last seven years and supported um, because they're incredible allies in this work and really critical to our success. So some of the things is, you know, spending more time with the women in cloud in creating what we call a um, collective power um, engagement where we bring together um, all of the, not all, but, uh, but, but hundreds of um, applications that um, are built by female founder, founders of technology organizations mm -hmm. and helping them go bid um, deals with enterprise customers and public sector customers collectively together um, so that they can deliver more end-to-end -end solutions and be backed by um, distribution partners that will, um, you know, mitigate some of the risks that um, our enterprise customers may feel in engaging with smaller um, smaller organizations. Um, and so, you know, that's, you know, and, and getting more engaged with um, the International Association of Microsoft Channel Partners in helping them to onboard um, and recruit new partners into the ecosystem and enable them to build out those applications and those services and to do it in a way that drives for um, more diversity within the high-tech industry. So those are a few of the things that I'm going to be able to spend more of my time doing. Um, that sounds very fascinating and engaging. And I'm hoping that once you've settled fully into that role, we can have another conversation on Heads Talk and we can talk about what you're doing just specifically there. It's very interesting and it's sort of a shame to sort of have it in this small section, but um, hopefully Gabriella will be kind enough to join Heads Talk again so that we can um, talk in greater detail about this. That would be quite nice. I would be happy to. You know, I, it's... Um, something where just getting the word out and getting yes. more people to understand yes. the importance, yes. not only to their business, but to the, just to the industry and the world for us mm -hmm. to um, make this happen, especially in light of the pandemic, right? Yes. And, and just, um, I think it's rethink, so it? far back, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, finally, let's talk um, broadly on um, leadership and lessons. Um, what have you learned in the, the last five years that you'll be uh, taking with you, implementing in your new next venture? Well, I hope that I take everything with me. <laughs> <laughs> that's greedy, that's extremely greedy. <laughs> but I think that maybe the four primary leadership lessons are that um, failure drives success. You know, uh, learning to fail fast, learn quickly, be persistent and pilot often um, is the best path to success. That would be number one. I think the number two would be 
Great leadership requires us to provide clarity on the vision, the goal, and the expectations. So, you know, where there's clarity, people rise to the occasion. People can make that their own and feel empowered. And so that's the a, a second great lesson. I think the third one is, um, you know, work with integrity and authenticity. Do what is your passion. When you do what is your passion, it shows through in everything that you do. And, um, and, and the thing that I have seen is that um, you need to follow that passion and, um, and not stay in something kind of beyond its expiration date, right? When your passion starts to wane, um, people can feel that. Um, and then the last one is that there are multiple paths to success. Um, no one has the corner on great ideas and great ideas come from everywhere. And so, you know, they come from, I mentor a number of um, students who are in high school and students who are in, um, in, in undergraduate classes and they mm -hmm. have amazing ideas. Um, I, I mentor people who are just entering the workforce and, and um, helping people to foster those ideas and help them to see how they get them adopted, how they create followership. Um, because great ideas come from everywhere. That's that's concise. I'm glad you didn't list everything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll probably still be talking till, okay. Grabiel Schuster, it's been a pleasure. Many thanks for your time and insights. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepringle.com forward slash Heads Talk or wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests, and you for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executive decision makers and heads of multinationals. Heads Talk Podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.